Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast, as always, presented by InWeGo. If you don't know, InWeGo is Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 a month. No additional costs or fees either. Hundreds of events in and around Denver, around Colorado for just $39 a month. Scrolling through InWeGo on my phone right now, you can hit up CU in Omaha in Boulder tonight, some college basketball at the Coors Event Center. We're recording Friday afternoon here. DU versus Minnesota, some college hockey at Magnus Arena, monster truck rallies, comedy shows at Comedy Works. There's literally something for everyone. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. So here's where it gets good. We've actually partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners an awesome deal. If you go to InWeGo.com backslash BSN, or if you download their app for free and use promo code BSN50, when you subscribe, you're actually going to get 50% off your first month. So you can get all those events I just mentioned, hundreds more for under 20 bucks your first month when you subscribe and use promo code BSN50. So again, inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwell. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. As always, the BSN Nuggets podcast is presented by InWeGo, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver with promo code BSN50. Harrison Wind here. Across the table for me is Christian Clark, Friday edition of the show. Coming off the Nuggets win, Denver snaps their four-game losing streak to Atlanta, 138-93 over the Atlanta Hawks. I was excited to watch Trey Young last night. Only He only goes 2 of 11, though, six points. I wasn't excited to watch many other guys on the Hawks roster, though. Yeah, Trey Young w- was pretty meh in this game. Um, a-, a lot to chew on in this game. It was a really interesting one, even though the Hawks were uh, pretty terrible. But, you know, before we get into that... I want to talk about Miles Plumley's pump fake, Harrison. I don't know if if you caught that in the uh, second quarter there, but the ball swung to Miles Plumley in the right corner. Paul Millsap closed out at him, and Miles Plumley, for some reason, thought that a pump fake was a good idea with 15 seconds left on the shot clock. This is his seventh NBA season. He's never attempted a three in his NBA career. That's like it was kind of like George Costanza saying he was an architect or something. Just <laughs> a lie so outlandish that nobody could believe it. I. I didn't understand. Like Paul Millsap just saw it and didn't react appropriately. It was ridiculous. What was what was Miles Plumley doing out there? I like the Seinfeld metaphor because in that episode, of course, and throughout Seinfeld, George has always wanted to be an architect, right? Maybe Miles Plumley has always wanted to be a three-point shooter, but I have no idea what he was thinking. I don't know. I hope nobody won for that pump fake. Yeah, I mean, if Paul Millsap had jumped at that pump fake then 
I don't know. He should have been fined $20,000. I'm so glad he didn't react. Then he wouldn't be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year anymore? Yeah, Would that oh, take him out of the Automatically running? disqualified. <laughs> Miles Plumley. It was, I guess he was one of the more intriguing players to watch Friday going up against his brother Mason. Those two are cut from a different cloth. One is buttoned up, investing in real estate, has all these ventures off the court. The other goes and finds himself at Burning Man over the summer. I mean, they're definitely. Uh, and I don't a think you have different. to know much about the Plumleys to know which one I'm talking about <laughs> when, when I go through that, uh, that list of endeavors yeah if you haven't read the miles Plumley article that, that ran on sports illustrated uh, please go ahead and do so immediately after listening to this podcast it was just phenomenal and i i love like the transition in in the, the nutcraft there where the writer was like miles Plumley is using his experience at burning man to provide some pers- perspe- perspective while leading the hawks this year and trying to instill a culture it was a reach but i was kind of here for it <laughs> a reach for sure a reach for sure so yeah, let's get into this game. A lot to discuss for sure. A season high in points for the Nuggets, 138. They shot 56.5% from the field, 42% from three. Obviously, their best offensive game of the year, I'd say, from start to finish. Should we start at the top? We had a starting point guard change that took us all by surprise. Monte Morris steps into the starting lineup for... Jamal Murray and while I guess this isn't something that's going to stick Jamal was benched I guess I would say for lack of a better word for what Michael Malone called a small violation of team rules so he'll be back in the starting lineup Saturday against the Pelicans but what do you think of the new look starting lineup at least for one game I texted you immediately after the, the lineups came out, and I said the Nuggets are going to win by 20-plus tonight. I, I just had that feeling. I wish I would have put, like, $1,000 down on the spread. I believe the Nuggets were favored by 13 points. You really went out on a limb against the one of the worst teams in the league who was missing half their rotation players. 13 gutsy, points is a lot of points. Gutsy, gutsy call from you. 13 points is a lot of points, all right? I mean, uh, it would have been one thing if I was like, oh, the Nuggets are going to win tonight. But I said they were winning by 20-plus, and they did. They won by a lot more than 20 I don't know, man. I mean, the Nuggets lost to the Hawks at home last year, so <laughs> they did. They did lose to the Hawks, who <laughs> forget that. weren't much better than uh, this Hawks team, sure. Uh, but uh, I mean, uh, I, I think it was pretty predictable the result. To be honest with you, look, I, I just think if you're looking at what's ailed the Nuggets offensively the last couple games, they have just lacked that that rhythm and that tempo that we've seen the Nuggets, you know, play with for the last two seasons and. I think one way to, to kind of correct that is by injecting a little more playmaking into the starting lineup. And look, this was just a one-game deal. Jamal Murray um, was coming off the bench this game because of disciplinary reasons. Um, he was he was late to a shoot-around. I don't think it was too big of a deal. But, I mean, I, I love what I saw from the Nuggets offensively. I mean, the pieces fit really, really well together. And if you look at it, Nicole Jokic's stat line, it doesn't look terribly impressive for Nikola Jokic but I think if you watch this game I mean Nikola Jokic just played with a completely different energy than we've seen from him in you know a couple games prior yeah I think there were a few reasons why we saw a different Nikola Jokic staying on the topic of the point guards though Monte Morris stepping into the starting lineup he did exactly what I think anybody expected him to do 
no more, no less. Monte Morris has been one of the better backup point guards in the league so far this season, and he played well last night. 29 minutes, 8 points, 2 assists, no turnovers, of course. Not flashy, but what you expect of Monte Morris. He leads the league in assist-to-turnover ratio right now. He's shooting it well from three. He's running his team well, and that's what he did with the starters last night. And it's funny because Nikola Jokic looked like himself again. Uh, he's been out of it, it feels like, over the last couple, last week or so, the last couple games. Uh, he's, at least from our perspective in the media, hasn't been himself off the court. You know, talking to people around the team, they seem like he's been fine behind the scenes and whatnot. He's young. Um, he'll snap out of it eventually, and I think we're starting to see that now. But, yeah, he did look different. And another thing going for the Nuggets last night was Michael Malone said he didn't call as many plays as he has so far this season, which we've seen that story play out over the last two years. And we saw it, uh, I guess, earlier this year than we did last year when he kind of relinquished some of the more structured play calling w within the offense. So there were a lot of things that went well for the Nuggets last night. A lot of reasons why I think Jokic played well. Like Monte Morris put him in good spots. Michael Malone didn't call as many plays. We know that's when Jokic plays better. So it was kind of the perfect storm. And it came against a Hawks team that isn't all that good. Yeah, I mean, it was from the first whistle, too. The, the Nuggets got out to a 13-0 lead. They led 35-23 to after the first quarter. Nine assists in the first quarter alone. I mean, it was pretty clear they were in a great rhythm almost immediately. They set a season high in points with 138. Season high in assists with 34. That is a lot of assists, 34 of them. So, you know, I, I think the other thing we saw from this game, too, is the Nuggets are pretty consistently a good team when they get out in the break. They, they're a really good transition offense team. The half-court offense has been kind of up and down um, lately, I would say. Last night, the half-court offense was just dynamite. Um, I believe... They were, the Nuggets scored 115 points per 100 possessions in the half court, according to Cleaning the Glass. Um, they were in the 96th percentile uh, of all games in terms of half court offense against the Hawks. So everything was working for Denver. I mean, they, they shot 53 for 94 on field goals, 56.5%. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, why was it working? I think for some of the things I just said, like the play calling thing is a big deal. That's a big deal with this team. And I guess for the second straight year, I can't really remember what kind of the the play calling or the the lack of play calling was like two years ago. But last year, you know, the Nuggets started out kind of shaky on offense, trying to find themselves on offense like they did this year. Michael Malone was calling a lot of plays. Remember, Paul Millsap was a new addition to this team, and. There were a lot of set play calls. It was a very structured offense at the beginning of the season. Gradually, they kind of opened things up and then, you know, really took off at the end of the season. Similar to, you know, what happened two years ago on December 15th. Anyway, this year, it looks like for the first time, Michael Malone took his hand off the play calling earlier than we've seen in the past. And 
like has been the case for the last two years when there's more of a free-flowing style, this offense plays better. And when there's less play calls, Nicole Jokic can kind of take over the offense more and work his magic a little more. And uh, we saw that last night. Like, he dominated this game for the 25 minutes he was on the court. Only had 12 points, but had nine rebounds, seven assists, four steals, two a block. He was a plus 37. I mean, the plus minuses in this game were just absurd. And, you know, he dominated. He, he looked like himself. He looked into the game. Uh, he looked like he was happy being out there. Looked like he was enjoying playing basketball, which hasn't seemed like the case at times over these past few games. So it was a productive step in the right direction for sure. Yeah, it was funny because before the game, Malone talked about you know the lack of highlight plays. That was the phrase he used from Jokic lately. I mean, Jokic has put up really good numbers, but he hasn't played with the flair that we right. normally see him play with. He definitely did against the Hawks. Um, I thought you know his best pass of the game was that left-handed behind-the-back pass to, to Juancho Hernan Gomez. You know, it didn't get the, the play that other passes he made did because Wancho did make that three. He had a really good game overall, but he didn't get that one to go down. But that was just a crazy pass. And when you see Jokic trying things like that, you know that he's really feeling himself, and you know that he feels like he's in a really good rhythm, and, and that means the Nuggets are in a good place overall um, when Jokic, you know, is kind of that, that daring sort of basketball player. And he also had that pass where... He initially went up in the air to shoot a three, kind of in the middle of his jump, changed kind of his mind and just passed the ball off to Millsap, who was cutting down the lane. And it looked like it was an impossible pass to make. So I saw people on Twitter saying, oh, yeah, it was tipped. It was blocked. No, it wasn't tipped. It wasn't blocked. He changed his mind like while jumping Drop that ball off to Jokic, or not Jokic, Millsap. It was probably one of the more incredible passes I've ever seen. It wasn't, like, I don't know if it was highlight-level play-worthy because it almost looked fluky, but um, I don't remember seeing any other pass like that. Yeah, he, he made Kevin Herter look like a, a dog chasing his tail or something like that. I mean, Herter was, was in the paint, and he did a 360. Uh, he thought Jokic was shooting the ball, and then he realized, oh, Millsap has the ball, and now shoot, and it was too late. <laughs> Uh, Jokic also hooked up with Gary Harris on a really pretty um, backdoor cut. It it felt like it'd been a long time since we saw the Jokic to Harris backdoor cut connection. Um, yeah. You know, that was like the staple of the Nuggets offense when Jokic kind of first burst onto the scene a, a little more than two years ago. So that was a really encouraging sign as well. There were a lot of things that we saw last night that we hadn't seen so far this year that usually line up with the Nuggets hitting on all cylinders on offense. Like you mentioned, the Jokic and Harris connection, um, Wancho, who I will go to my grave saying plays so well alongside Jokic. He looked great last night in the starting lineup. Nuggets putting up 138 points. We also saw Tyler Lydon and Devonta Kuhn Purcell get in the game. Something that's synonymous with the Nuggets hitting on all cylinders on offense, meaning they will be blowing teams out, like putting up 130, 140 points. So it was a good night for Denver to get back on the same page. Moved to 10-5, and five, just like I predicted at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Lydon did a three-point celebration. That's how well the Nuggets were playing last night. Yeah, and, and the fact that they're 10-5 and five right now, I'll admit I didn't envision this is how they were going to get to 10-5. and five. 
I didn't think they'd start nine and one and kind of backdoor into ten and five, but I'll take it. You nailed that one. All right, let's go ahead and take a break real quick. We got some questions to get to from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Also, some other observations on the game. Is there a point guard controversy in Denver? I wrote about this Thursday night. You can catch my thoughts on bsndenver.com right now. Should Monte Morris continue to start? Should Jamal Murray continue to start? Is the 9-1 Nuggets team back, or is this just a win over the Atlanta Hawks and we need to see more games to tell? We'll discuss all that and more on the other side right here on the BSN Nuggets podcast. What if we told you that whiskey and vodka weren't just for drinking? It's true. Jason and Erica, owners of Distilled Bath and Body, created pit liquor. You heard me right, pit liquor. It's an all-natural deodorant that actually works. Ramona found pit liquor online and now says she's a customer of theirs for life. Pit liquor is wonderful. They save my underarms. No more sweaty, itchy underarms for me. So I definitely love them and will be a customer as long as it keeps the smell, I guess, away. Pit Liquor has no harmful chemicals or toxins and doesn't have any ingredients you wouldn't find in grandma's kitchen. I came across Pit Liquor online on Instagram. I saw an ad advertising no baking soda used in their products. So the difference between Pit Liquor and other natural deodorant is I do not stink. <laughs> I've tried several, several different brands and either I end up with an itchy rash or it doesn't last. But Pit Liquor for me lasts all day. Pit Liquor's risk-free guarantee should put your mind at ease. Head to pitlicker.com and use the promo code number one fan to save 11% and have it shipped straight to your home. That's hashtag one fan. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, Harrison Wynn, Christian Clark. Forgot to mention, we're recording here from Sports Calm in downtown Denver, just a block or so from Coors Field. Great spot to watch college football, I'm sure, Saturday, really regardless of who your team is. Uh, I think this might be an Iowa bar. I think I saw an Iowa flag out front, maybe. Uh, But anyway, great spot to watch all your sporting events. Nuggets, Avs, Broncos, college teams too. Great beer, great food, great TVs as well. And it's right downtown too, close to all your other favorite bars. So make sure to check them out. They're hosting the podcast today. And we usually record here once every couple of weeks. Without further ado, let's go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. I want to get into more talk about Monte Morris Does he fit better with the starters? Should he be the starter? Or is this really Jamal Murray's team and we're making a big fuss about nothing? So let's go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline right now. Hi, yes, this is Joe calling from Baltimore. Uh, I had a a comment as well as uh, some questions. Uh, My first comment is um, I called back after the third or fourth game after Denver had played Golden State, and I asked the question about if we felt Monte was ready for that starting lineup. And, um, you know, I'm very happy to see that uh, Michael Malone uh, did put him in the starting lineup uh, last night against Atlanta, and I thought he produced very well. I think he's one of the best ball handlers, uh, like I mentioned previously, on the team. And I think his assisted turnover ratio, being the best in the league, uh, has earned him that ability to start. So my question on that is, 
how long do you think Michael Malone will give Monte that opportunity? Do you feel like it was a one-time thing, or do you feel like Monte deserves that spot? And um, do you feel like Jamal Murray is best off the bench? Um, I did like how that uh, how it looked with the bench unit and Jamal on the floor, um, kind of to see how they did. And also, congratulations, Harrison, on predicting the first 15 games correctly. Uh, the Nuggets are 10 and 5. Uh, we got there in a very weird way, but Nuggets 10 and 5. And I'm looking forward to this weekend's games. Thanks again for the, taking my call. All right, Joe, thanks for the call. Again, if you guys have questions for the show, the Total Beverage Fan Hotline is 1 800 BSN 8394. 1 800 BSN 8394. So, I guess we already kind of teased the first part of Joe's question there, or the answer to the first part of the question. Jamal Murray's still the starter. He'll be back in the starting lineup against New Orleans. This was a one-time deal. But I guess the question is, and look, we had this discussion a lot last night. I had this discussion with a lot of people in the media whose opinions I really respect. And there are a lot of people out there, they might not say it publicly, Christian, but... They'll say it privately that Monte Morris should be the starter on this team and Jamal Murray should go to the bench. What do you think? Well, if you're just looking at you know, the short term, the next 10 games or so, I don't think there's really any doubt in my mind that the Nuggets would win more games if Monte Morris was in the starting lineup. I just think you know, with Will Barton sidelined, the Nuggets need that, that extra element of playmaking, you know, getting the team into the offense, setting others up. Um, and I think Monte Morris provides that in a way that, that Jamal Murray can't. But look, you, you, you got to take the long view. Um, and Jamal Murray has a chance to be a star in this league. His ceiling is just a lot higher than Monte Morris. I mean, I, I love me some Monte, but you got to play the long game with this. And, you know, Michael Mullen already said he's going to throw Jamal back in the starting lineup against the Pelicans. Um, He's just got to improve and continue to work through some of his, his issues and his struggles with the finer points of setting teammates up. Um, we know Jamal Murray can score the ball. I mean, he's gotten off to a slow start to the season, and he's still the team's leading scorer. He's averaging 17.5 points a game. So, look, I know this, this might cost the Nuggets, you know, a, a win or two in the short term, but, you know, starting continuing to start Murray and, you know, just – kind of making him figure his issues out on the fly I think will be better for the team long term yeah I'd agree with most of that uh, I think you have to keep Jamal Murray in the starting lineup I, I think 15 games into the season and 15 games into Jamal Murray's second season as a starter is way too early to even think about pulling the plug on him as your starter I mean if you pull the plug on Jamal Murray now and this is, a, in a sense, a debate that probably doesn't need to be had because the Nuggets aren't thinking about that. But if they were to pull the plug on him now, like, I feel like you're choosing a path, and you're choosing a path that doesn't involve Jamal Murray as much as a featured guy, as much of a featured guy as you know we had all pegged him for earlier in the season, even dating back to last season. I mean, if you choose the path of bringing him off the bench, it might be kind of tough to come back from that. And then you're saying, yeah, I mean, we hope he can be our manager nobly. 
there's only a few Manu Ginobili's out there. You know, I don't know if, if Jamal is that, but look, I think it's just way too early, way too premature to think about making such a drastic move like that. And uh, I think if we're basing it off of one game against the Atlanta Hawks, and I know we're basing it off more than that, the starters have looked more competent with Monte Morris in there running point guard. Jamal Murray has not done a lot of the point guard duties well this year. Monte Morris has outplayed him at times from the point guard position. But if we want to use a game over the Atlanta Hawks, who were without half their rotation, as the clincher as to why Monte Morris should be starting and Jamal Murray should be coming off the bench, I think we're doing it all wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the Hawks are a truly terrible team. Like, here, stop me when I name a player on the Hawks that played last night that could log consistent rotation minutes for the Nuggets. I'll start with the bench. Tyler Dorsey, Daniel Hamilton, Kevin Herter, Jeremy Lin, Miles Plumley, Alex Pointheris, Vince Carter, Omari Spellman, DeAndre Bembry, Alex Len, Trey Young, Kent Bazemore. Uh, maybe Bazemore? Bazemore might be starting for the Nuggets right now. He's the only guy on this Hawks roster that I think would play consistent rotation minutes for Denver. Maybe not just Denver. Maybe a playoff caliber team in the Western Conference. The Hawks are pretty much fielding a G League team right now. They had a lot of guys out last night. I think this was a team the Nuggets knew they were going to beat. They came out confident. Yes, Monte Morris in the starting lineup helped. Like They played really well around him. I'm not even ready to say that if Jamal Murray had started last night, we would have seen anything much different from what we saw. Has anyone created a, a tanking for Zion hashtag yet? Okay, I don't yes. know if there, oh, there is. There is. It's not coming to me off the top of my head, though. Yeah, well, that's where the Hawks are headed this year. They're they're going for the number one pick, and Zion Williamson, they are bad. Um, yeah, I mean, you just can't, you just can't pull the plug on, on Jamal Murray right now. Um, he's too important of a long-term piece. I mean, the list of guys who scored the basketball as much and, and as efficiently as Jamal Murray did in their, their age 20 seasons or younger – isn't very long. I mean, Jamal Murray has a chance to be a really, really special scorer in this league, and he has some issues, and I really do think they're being, you know, compounded and magnified by the fact that Will Barton isn't in the lineup right now to alleviate some of them. But, yeah, I mean, you just can't risk alienating Jamal Murray, and, I mean, you can't risk, you know, making a panic move after just one game. Yeah, It's not even, like, alienating him or anything, right? Like, Jamal Murray is 20 months younger than Monte Morris, right? Monte Morris is 23, played four years at Iowa State. Jamal Murray is 21 in his second season as a Nuggets starting point guard. This guy can still get a lot better at the things a lot of people knock him for in terms of running a team, being a point guard. I think that's what we forget. He might not be a natural point guard, he might have gotten off to a slow start this season, but this kid's ceiling is still so high. He still has so much more room to grow and so much more room to improve. The fact that I think a lot of people are labeling him as 
a guy who's never going to be a point guard after less than two seasons playing the position, I think is a little premature. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a skill you can learn like anything else. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Nikola Jokic, I mean, were you just going to say after last season that he can never improve on the defensive end? A lot of people did, and yeah. they look like idiots right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's still so young, and he's such a hard worker. I mean, I would probably even bet on, on Murray, you know, making serious strides in, in those point guarding departments over the next couple of seasons, and he's never going to be Monte Morris. That That's fine. I mean, he just needs to be a, a little bit better uh, against pressure, against you know, getting the ball to Nikola Jokic in the spots that he likes. He doesn't need to improve, like, I mean, he doesn't need to be, like, a classic point guard for the Nuggets to be a really, really good team. I mean, he just needs to, you know, steady improvement, and, and they can get where they want to go, I think. Right, and if you're making the argument that Monte needs to be in there because Will Barton's not in there, I mean, then what happens when Will Barton comes back? Do you reshuffle things again? I, I just think such a drastic move like that is the talk about it is so premature for 15 games into a season where the Nuggets are 10 and 5. Like, maybe we could have a serious conversation about this if the Nuggets were 5 and 10, right? But they're 10 and 5. They're, what, one and a half games out of the top spot in the Western Conference through 15 games? They're the third best defense in the league. They're the sixth best offense in the league. They've still got some things to iron out, but man, it's a little early to start talking about benching and turning a guy who could have been included in trade packages for Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler, but wasn't into your sixth man and microwave off the bench. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree that it's it's too early to... I guess, had those conversations. At what point do you think, you know, you start to? I mean, maybe like year five, something like that? Well, it's probably going to be determined at what happens this year, right? I mean, team success always determines how those arguments go. And look, if the Nuggets win 50-plus games this year, I've got to think that Jamal Murray will have improved in some of the areas where he's lacking right now. Yeah, I guess my question is, is at what point do you know a player is who they are? And, you know, I, I agree that it's too early for Murray. Um, I mean, even Gary Harris, <laughs> yeah. he, he's just kind of, you know, gets a little bit better and sort of redefines who he is every single year, and this is his fifth season. So, yeah, I mean, th these guys are constantly evolving. Yeah. I mean, when are we going to know, like, can Jamal Murray play point guard in this league? I think he can. Will he ever be the passer that Monte Morris is? Maybe not, but I think I already know that you know, he can play the position. And at, at, at what level, like to what degree, what type of point guard is he going to be? We probably don't know that yet. We might not know that for another year or two. But can he be a starter on a high-level playoff team? Yes, I think he can. And one thing I'll add real quick, too, is, you know, most of the conversation of Morris and Jamal Murray has to do with what those guys do differently on the offensive end. I think this season, Monte Morris has been a much better defender than Jamal Murray. I'd agree. And that's absolutely one area where Jamal Murray can improve. He doesn't, he, he loses focus a lot of the time on the defensive end, and I think he's got to stamp that out of his game a little bit. He got blown by, by Trey Young a lot of times last night. And I don't even regard Trey Young as a super quick guard by any means, but 
Jamal Murray was getting blown by uh, by him last night. So he, he's got to improve on the defensive end for sure. But Monte Morris, he'll shift back into a bench role Saturday against the Pelicans. Monte Morris or Jamal Murray will remain or go back into the starting line. This is a tough three-game road trip. Pelicans, Timberwolves, Bucks, or Pelicans, Bucks, Timberwolves. I think that's the order. One and two. Is that a successful road trip? Oh, man. I wouldn't say that's successful. That's just uh, average, like doing enough to get by. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two and one successful. One and two is just, okay, that's acceptable. And then, you know, going on three is oof. The Pelicans are, have looked a little shaky. The Timberwolves, I wonder if the, the rust from, um, or not maybe not rust, but the initial jolt of energy you get from trading Jimmy Butler away, trading away your best player, the old Ewing theory has worn off yet? I, I, I don't know, but I watched the Timberwolves play the other night, and Andrew Wiggins was trying. It was terrifying and confusing. Andrew Wiggins looked like he suddenly likes to play basketball again now that he doesn't have Jimmy Butler berating him behind closed doors every practice. Yeah, I mean, there was a play in the fourth quarter where he dunked over, like, two people, and he kicked, who was it? He kicked somebody in the grin area on the dunk. It was like, oh, my God, Andrew Wiggins. I didn't know you had that in you. He's alive. <laughs> He's finally alive. All right, let's go ahead and take another break real quick. Got a couple more questions to get to. Some more talk about this game. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. When it comes to quality craft beer, there is no place quite like Colorado. And Colorado Keg House embraces the true essence of that, providing 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. The most unique thing about Colorado Cake House is how many beers they have on tap. I mean, there's simply a beer for everyone. They change them out regularly, and it's, it's great Colorado craft beer. I've been going there for about two years now, and I'm never disappointed. That was Lindsay, and like she mentioned, Colorado Keg House rotates their inventory each week to bring you new flavors. They also offer a great selection of Colorado wines and spirits, so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy any sport you wish on one of their 27 TVs. My favorite thing about Colorado Cake House is the atmosphere. You can bring whatever food that you want to eat in there, and they have a million TVs. It feels like it's not a bad seat in the house, and they've got extremely comfy couches that you can sit on and hang out with your friends and just kick back. It's, it's a great atmosphere. If you're a Colorado beer lover and you haven't checked out Colorado Keg House in Broomfield, do yourself a favor and head over there today. And don't forget to mention BSN to receive 20% off your order. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here. Friday edition of the show, recording from Sports Calm, downtown Denver. Let's go back to Total Beverage Fan Hotline. We've got a question about Nikola Jokic and how he played last night. Let's go there right now. Hey, it's Pat in Englewood, and I actually just got off the train from the Nuggets game. And my question, my main question at least, is about Jokic and how much he listens to what's being talked about and things that are being said around him. Um, I listened to what um, Monty Morris said about people not taking things to heart and being able to step up and play through criticism. And I heard comments from Michael Malone about not seeing any of those big Jokic plays. or He kind of just mentioned that in passing when he was talking about big game-changing plays. And tonight you see Jokic taking the ball up the court. You saw his behind-the-back pass um, for the three-point attempt from Juancho and just a couple of those little things. I mean, 
Do you think he's hearing that? Do you think that he's hearing some of those comments about how they need him to make some of those big plays? And you think he's, you know, the type of guy that responds to that? Also, can we talk about Wancho being up like it's a, a one-possession game on the final possession of a 45-point game? Thanks a lot. Really appreciate the show, and thanks, uh, thanks for what you guys do. Thanks for the call, Pat. So I don't think Jokic will, like you want to say, hear or read what Michael Malone or Monte Morris is saying about the offense and how Michael Malone said, we haven't seen these highlight-level plays from Jokic. He needs to get back to that. But I do think what we saw were a couple factors last night that put him in a better position to make those highlight-level plays. One was the less play calling. And we know going back, we have a two-plus-year sample size now three-year sample size that when the Nuggets don't call a lot of plays around Nikola Jokic, they're going to play better, and he's going to have those highlight-level plays, and he's going to you know, have that joy and have that spirit to him. You know, so we know that. And I think another part of it was you know he was playing with a point guard last night that looked to set him up too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are the two factors in my mind. And you know, if you're debating oh, which one is the bigger factor, I think that's tough because – I think they're related in a lot of ways. It's a lot easier to, to let go of the reins when you've got a point guard out there who you know is not going to turn the ball over. He's going to make great passes, great decisions, and is just generally good at setting others up. You know, I think there's a natural urge to, to seize back control of the reins when things are bogging down and your team is turning the ball over a lot. So, I mean, I, I think it's easier from alone to – to kind of let go when Monte is out there um, versus Jamal right now. So do you think he stopped calling less plays last night because Monte Morris was a starter? Or do you think him and his coaching staff, and he even mentioned how he's spoken with Tim Conley about it, how that was kind of the game plan they want to instill against the Hawks, no matter who the starter was? Uh, I mean, I have no reason to otherwise think that that wasn't the game plan going in i'm sure it was right. the game plan going in what i guess what i'm saying is that it was easy to stick to that game plan when everything is popping with monte morris in there sure sure yeah because i agree i think we would have seen the same game plan the same offensive game plan of not calling as many plays if jamal murray was in there and like i said a few minutes ago i'm sure it would have popped just as much as it did because I don't think the Atlanta Hawks really provided much in the way uh, on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, some of their guys uh, on their bench, I mean, those might as well might as well have been guys I went to college with and I haven't talked to in five years. Could our summer league team hang with the Atlanta Hawks? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, it just depends uh, if I was cooking from three-point range that night or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's what we got to come back to, like – I don't. I just don't know how much we can take away from this game. It was a feel-good win. Everybody seems like they're on the same page right now. Now it seems like Michael Malone will lay off the play calls a little more, which is a step in the right direction for this offense. But I'm not ready to say like the Nuggets are back. You know, Michael Malone had a great quote after the game where he said, "For the first time, this seemed like the Denver Nuggets." Of old, you know, this seemed like Denver Nuggets basketball. 
I'm curious when we're going to see this again, if we're going to see it against New Orleans or not. Yeah, I mean, uh, will the Nuggets, you know, keep this up, this free-flowing identity or whatever, after this three-game road trip when Jamal Murray's the starter again and they have to go on the road. They were a terrible road team last year. They've they've sort of struggled on the road this year. This is going to be a really good test for them, three, three road games against three pretty good teams. Yeah. On that topic, let's go back to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. A question from Chris, kind of looking at this team from a high-level view. Uh, that, I think, would be a good way to close the show and wrap up our comments here about the game. So let's go back there right now. Hey, it's Chris in Denver. Uh, great win. And Harrison, congrats on your 10-5 uh, and five prediction. Looks like you called that one. You got a bit of a tough stretch coming up, but uh, that was definitely definitely a step in the right direction. Um, third in the West, game and a half out of first. Looks like the team solved some of these problems, but uh, what is what is your take on that? Did they show what they needed to show that they could be that team that went nine and one in their first ten, or do you think problems still remain? And if so, which problems still remain? As I said before, I think the feeling of this team is too good to wait for losses to fix problems. Um, you've, you've read about Golden West or about Golden State. I'm sure everyone's heard about that. Um, they're beatable. They're probably still the favorites regardless of what happens, but it wouldn't shock me if there's uh, some changes there. Curious your thoughts on the win. Curious your thoughts of what this means going forward. I know we got a tough road stretch, uh, tough road trip coming up. Um, thoughts on that too. Oh, great win! Uh, keep up the great work. Love the show. Thanks for taking my calls. And go Nuggets! Thanks for the call, as always, Chris. Good points there. Here's my question for you: Where do you have the Nuggets right now if you're ranking teams in the Western Conference? Golden State's going through. A mutiny right now but look they could literally not talk to each other off the court for 82 games and still maybe sweep their way to the finals um i'm not worried about golden state i think they're still gonna easily win the championship this year yeah it's gonna be a great test for how terrible team chemistry can you have and still win the championship (laughs) yeah a defining test where do you have denver ranked in the west right now though Ooh. I've got them third. Yeah, just as the standings read. Who's second right now? Uh, Portland's second. I think Houston's still the second best team in the West. I think Houston's back. All they needed was a game against the Denver Nuggets to get back on the same page offensively. <laughs> Houston's back. They beat the Warriors last night. I know the Warriors don't have Steph Curry right now, but I think they'll soon regain the title as second best team in the Western Conference. For third, though, it's probably a toss-up between Denver and Portland. If you guys have listened to this podcast before, you know this. I'm not a believer in Portland. I don't care if they got out to a good start this year. I'm just not buying it. I'd slot Denver third right now. I think I agree with that order. Houston is interesting the way teams are defending them. You know, last year, teams mostly just switched against them, and they let their ISO guys, you know, Harden and Paul, just cook. This year, teams aren't doing nearly as much switching against them and I think we're seeing them kind of adjust and figure that out on the fly um I think New Orleans is really good man I know they're only seven and seven right now but I mean you know they dropped a couple of those games because Anthony Davis was hurt and I guess that's always the big question with them so I don't know I I guess if 
Anthony Davis can stay healthy. I, I'm a big believer in them, you know, possibly even challenging for home court advantage. But, yeah, I would probably go Golden State, Houston, Portland, Denver right there. And then maybe, um, you know, New Orleans and the Jazz a notch under them. Yeah. In terms of ceilings, like New Orleans has just as high of a ceiling for me as a Houston, as a Denver, as a Utah. I don't think Portland's got that type of ceiling. Like th- they seem to max out a bit lower than those teams, but I mean, New Orleans still has a really high ceiling if all those guys get on the same page. So I think the Nuggets are in a good spot right now at 10-5, and kind of like Chris asked and like we alluded to a few minutes ago. I still don't know if this is the team that went 9-1 and one, or the team that lost four games in a row or if they're something in the middle. This three-game road trip will probably tell us a lot about this team. There's still some issues that need to be ironed out. Jamal Murray needs to play better at point guard for sure. We'll see how he looks over these next three games. They're the third-ranked defense in the league through 15 games. I mean, it seems more and more like a top-15 defense is going to be the expectation going forward this year. I mean, if they can keep up this defensive efficiency for another month, like maybe we really got something here. And they're sixth in offensive rating, which is hilarious because I feel like they haven't played well at all on the offensive end for the most part over these 15 games. I mean, they're not even scratching the surface right now, and they're sixth. Right. That's the scary part about this team. They're not even on the same page, and they're putting up the sixth best offense in the league. Like, they're the sixth best offensive team without even trying (laughs) is pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah, they're not even close to hitting on all cylinders. Um, Bottom line, you know, a lot of high – the highs have been high, the lows have been low through these first 15 games, but as Mike Malone said last night – if you would have, if you would have, you know, presented him with the proposition, hey, you're ten and five after 15 games. Will Barton is only going to play in two of those 15 games. Then he probably would have taken it, and I, I agree with that sentiment. I mean, they're in, they're in a really good spot for Will Barton missing 13 of these games. A couple other observations I had from last night. Thought Malik Beasley played well in spots. 6 of 14 from the field. It seemed like he got a little shot happy at times. Malik's tough because he's kind of a archetype of player that the Nuggets don't really have, especially off their bench. Like, he's so athletic. He can be such a good defender when he's locked in. And he can be great in transition and whatnot. But sometimes he still makes those mental mistakes that probably drive Malone crazy and probably prevent him from playing like 30 minutes a night. Uh, game to game and then Wancho I mentioned at the beginning of the show how well he plays with Jokic he played great last night 9 of 12 from the field a plus 46 and like one of our callers alluded to he was in the game with a minute remaining in a 40 point win no lead is safe against the Atlanta Hawks apparently <laughs> um, well, I mean Wancho is pretty much doing everything I thought he would on the offensive end. He's shooting the three ball really well. He's He's been the Nuggets' best three-point shooter through these first 15 games. Where I think we've seen growth, and, and Michael Malone pointed this out last night, is he's more disciplined on the defensive end. There aren't as many mental mistakes. He's not getting blown by as much. And, look, that's still very much a work in progress. I mean, especially that Houston game, that was you know not a good defensive game for Wancho, I think. But I do think he, he's made some progress in that department. 
when you mentioned that, I just couldn't help but think of the one play Michael Malone touched on at Wednesday's practice where he really called out Jamal Murray for not making that rotation. But, I mean, if we're being honest, that was one of the worst closeouts I've ever seen <laughs> from Juancho Hernan Gomez, just literally flying out at James Ennis. Like, uh, I don't know how you can expect to close out on a guy like that and not give up a wide-open three. <laughs> You, yeah, if you guys are wondering what play I'm referring to, just go back on my timeline from a couple days ago. It was like, it wasn't even a closeout. He like jumped from like five feet in front of James Ennis and landed like two feet behind him. Well, thank God Paul Millsap didn't close out on Miles Plumley like that last night. <laughs> well put. <laughs> That's a good way to end today's show. A good week of podcasts. Tough couple games coming up for the Nuggets on the road. Then they'll be back here, I think, next weekend uh, for a few more home games. Thanks for listening, guys. If you got a couple minutes and really enjoy the show, head on over to iTunes. Drop us a five-star review. It only takes a second, but we really appreciate it. It helps us grow the show as well. And we'll talk with you guys next week.